Hello and welcome to the Open Labour podcast. My name's Tom Hinchcliffe and I am hosting on my own today for only the second time ever because James is away battling a marginal seat in Leeds for May's election. So I suppose I'll let him off this time. But with me today is somebody else battling a marginal seat in May. I'll be speaking later on with Kieran O'Neill, who is a Labour candidate in Glasgow for the Scottish Parliament about the challenges Labour faces in Scotland. Uh, we're going to be chatting about the upcoming May election in which Scotland is able to vote for its local councillors, but also, crucially, members of the Scottish Parliament. It has been billed as the most important election in Scottish history, and Labour looks to make gains on the SNP and the Tories after the damning report into Nicola Sturgeon's handling of the allegations against former SNP leader and First Minister Alex Salmond. It's Anas Sawa's first opportunity as Scottish Labour leader to show what he's all about. He says Labour will focus on what unites Scotland as a country, not what divides us, and has pledged to deliver a parliament that prioritises a national recovery plan after the pandemic. Of course, all this is going on under the shadow of a possible renewed push by the SNP for another independence referendum. And it's been quite a few months in Scotland, so we'll see what Kieran has to make of it all. So with me now, I've got Open Labour co-chair and the person who is standing to be the next Scottish Labour and cooperative MSP for Glasgow, Mary Hill and Springburn, Kieran O'Neill. Hello. Hi, Tom. That was quite a mouthful there, mate. It's the, it must be the longest intro sentence I've ever done, and it, it's definitely one of the longer uh, titles. So if you do win, then it'll be a godful for the speaker. But <laughs> you, I'm, I'm, I'm you, sure they'll need, need to figure it out, won't they? There's longer constituencies than that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, ones, ones that us English people probably can't even pronounce, to be honest. <laughs> you, you, so you, you submitted your papers yesterday to officially become Labour's candidate for Glasgow, Mary Hill and Springburn. And tomorrow, you is it right, you've got your virtual campaign launch? with? Yeah, we're, doing, we're doing a virtual campaign launch tomorrow night with uh, Angela Rayner, who's obviously Deputy Leader of the UK Party, Jackie Bailey, who's Deputy Leader of the Scottish Party, Shona Thompson, who is an absolutely phenomenal um, GMB activist that led the Glasgow Women's Strike, and uh, Councillor Jill Brown, who's Scottish Labour's newest councillor, having beat the, the Tories and the SNP in a by-election in Glasgow last week. And I was, I was very honoured right. to be her agent, and... Um, chuffed that she's supporting my campaign. Winning she's returned to the favour, I suppose. Yes, I suppose. I mean, winning ways, star-studded lineup. There's no way you can yeah. lose. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it would look really bad if I lost after you know having all these people coming in supporting me. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> no. well, fingers crossed. But how, how has the uh, campaign been going so far? Then, I mean, obviously, there's a lot that's gone on in the last few weeks. I explained it earlier on in the podcast, but can you just tell us how it's been going overall? Yeah, I mean. One one week there will be a quiet week in Scottish politics. Um, it's just I've I've never known one for as long as I've been politically active. Um, I mean I've been a candidate. I was selected in September twenty nineteen, so you know we selected for some Scottish politics quite a while ago, and you know there's been there's been a lot of highs and lows since. Um, obviously, but now we're you know the short campaign basically officially starts today. Um, Parliament, the, the fifth session of Parliament came came to a close yesterday. So, um, you know, this this is really where um, we need to up the ante. So it's and it's also it's a really really strange time to be having an election. You know, um, where our activists are having to adapt, our campaign team are having to adapt 
to a totally different way of doing things than the way we normally would. You know, one of the strengths I think you find as a as a Labour Party activist is we we you know we have a campaign machine that that will come out and it will do what it needs to do. Um, trying to adapt that to to uh, to the world of COVID um, hasn't always been easy, but I think I think we've our, our team's done a good job. Um, you know, we've tried to find new ways of engaging with voters. You know, phoning's obviously a, a big thing. You know, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on the phones at the minute, and um, you know, the poll the polls are pretty stark. There's no escaping that the polls polls. But you know, I'm speaking to people on the phone, and I'm, it's people that have, have never voted Labour before in their puff or hat. If they did vote Labour, they haven't voted Labour, and certainly for as long as I've been alive, and they're, they're coming to us now um, for a whole host of reasons. Um, and also, there's and I think this is something that people, people maybe outside of Scotland and probably even outside of Glasgow don't get is that, you know, obviously our it's most place, you know, where, for example, where I'm standing, it's a straight fight between Labour and the SNP. The sort of people that, you know, that that are voting SNP, um, mm. quite a lot of them voted Labour for a very long time and they don't see, you know, it's, it's not that hard for them to switch. So I think there's quite, there's a really crucial group of voters who, you know, just depending on events and what may happen and how things are going, um, there's not that stark a difference in terms of between voting SNP or Labour. So I think our job, um, my job certainly in Glasgow and Elm Springburn is, is to reach out to those people um, and set out why this time on the 6th of May, um, they should, if they think Scotland needs a better government and also needs a better opposition, they need to make it both votes Labour. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, of so course. That's, that's, that's where we're at at the minute, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's it's as I say, it's been it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy year. And it, I mean, have the Lib Dems been around yet? With the it's a battle between the SNP and Lib Dems in, in Glasgow. I mean, I'm sure they'd have something to say about the one. The one. The one thing that's really reassuring about a Scottish election campaign is that Willie Rennie, the leader of the Scottish Lib Dems, does absolutely crackpot <laughs> uh, photo ops. That's that's what he's known for. So that'll keep us all entertained. I think today he was a. He was on the shores of, um, you know, the Queensferry Crossing with a large, you know, a massive like sunliner trying to read a book to a child. Um, I mean, what that's meant to represent, I don't know, but you know, it keeps us all going. Uh, and yeah, the Lib Dems will have their bar charts. I think I saw uh, just north of me in Strathkeldon and Bears Den when my Carl McNally um, is, is the candidate. I think the Lib Dems put out a bar chart for a different election so that only the Lib Dems can win here. I'm like, That's for a different constituency, a different election to a different parliament. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Liberals are going to be the Liberals. Um, you know, you just have to, I think we just have to accept that and, uh, you know, treat them with the, the respect and the sincerity they deserve. They're like that weird mate in the pub, aren't they? Um, do you know pubs? Yeah. Do, you, do you remember pubs? Do yeah, know? pubs. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, that that weird mate in a pub that just kind of goes on and on and on in the corner, and you just kind of leave him to it. Just yeah, oh, the Lib Dems. They, yeah, they'll, they'll I mean, probably, they, I, I'm sure they represent something and believe in something. I've just never, you know, realised what that is. Yeah, um, they quite know either, to be honest, half the time. But it's um, it, it is it is a strange one. And you you said the other day that this is the most important election in Scotland's history. Why? Why do you think that? I mean, educate us. Not well. I mean, I mean, it's it's the so the parliament was established in 1999. So this this is the election where, um, you know, the people that have, have grew up with with the institutions of devolution are, are coming of age. Um, so I, I do think this is this election. I mean, it's not it's not just it's not just me or Labour. That's you know every party saying that's the most important issue uh, most important election in in scotland's history uh, definitely in the history of devolution um because you know it, 
because if, if I mean fundamentally, it's about where do you want where what do, what do you think where do you think Scotland's future should be? What's the sort of country we want to build, rebuild? You know, whatever the terminology we want to use as we as we recover from COVID. Um, mm. And you know, it, I think that's why you know, uh, you know, it's the most important election because there's there's a lot at stake. You know, there's there's um, you know our, our recover how what what what's the sort of route in our recovery from from this pandemic? And are we going to are we going to return to the old way of doing things? Are we going to say? no, that didn't work, we're going to try something different, are we going to use the powers of Parliament to actually try and make a difference? Because um, I think up until now, um, I think a lot of people feel let, let down by devolution, you know, um, you know, if you go back, so it was obviously 20 Parliament um, celebrated its, its 20th anniversary and in 2019 and you know there's if you listen to Donald Dewar who was obviously the first ever first minister um Labour first minister obviously and yeah, speaking yeah. today the parliament you know talking about you know this is this is more than you know a building it's how we carry ourselves you know it's not the Scottish parliament isn't an end it's a means to greater ends and I think you know I think that 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 spirit that sort of radical passion I, I just I just don't feel it's there um so from my point of view as somebody who who, who genuinely believes that, that devolution is is the best form of government um suited to the people of Scotland and indeed I hope for very soon people across these islands um when Labour can win an election and make it happen uh you know I think it's really really important because I think what happens to, particularly in Scottish politics we became so obsessed with binaries you know you're either you know um, a hardcore unionist that you know believes that this far and no further. In fact, should probably you know roll back devolution, or you know you're a you're a you're a nationalist, and your only option is you know a sort of I mean the equivalent would be a, a WTO Brexit. I suppose would be the terms. That's the only way you can you know yeah. build a better country as we you know a growth commission independence, which would be absolutely um, terrible for for working people in Scotland. You know it would be it would be a you know, a program of you know austerity and privatisation that would make Margaret Thatcher cringe, and I just I just don't think that people in Scotland have to accept either of those choices. I do generally think there is a better way, um, and to be honest, I think it's only the Labour Party that offers that. Mm. Do you think that uh, you said about the great successes of devolution and things like that? Do, do you think Labour have suffered in Scotland not only because of the old argument that we took it for granted, but as well the massive inequalities that still exist in Scotland? Do you think? that has held Labour back to some to an extent because they were in government up there for so long. Yeah, well I mean we, we were in government we were in government for two terms here and I think there was a lot of good and I think also um you know Labour at a UK level, you know, half child poverty. So I think there's a lot to be proud of. But yeah of course there's there's I mean I could I could rhyme off plenty of things that the last both UK and Scottish Labour governments could have done that were better. Mm. Um, you know, I mean I, I was I was in primary school at the time, so I wasn't involved in discussion. Uh, <laughs> but there's definitely there is definitely, you know, a lot more that could be and there were mistakes that could be made. Um, you know, there was there was problems with when the parliament was established, you know, there was a lot of lot of controversy, you know, over things like the building and you know, I think that that took a lot of the energy and the hope out of it and it took a while. And then in two thousand and seven, um you know, a, a sort of reinvigorated SNP came along with, you know, you know, just quite, a, you know, quite a, you know, policies that were, were popular and, and they won by one seat. And ever since, Labour's failed to to regain. So I think I think the way I look at it is, um, you know, 
what what's best, who who's got the best plan for Scotland. I mean, you look at the things that um Anasa, our new leader's talking about, you know, a, a national recovery plan. I do think that's absolutely critical to to build in a better country after all of this. Um and speak to people on the phones, I do think people are agreeing. And I also think after 14 years of SNP government and, you know, all the problems that's came with that, whether it's the critical underfunding of local councils. So in Glasgow, where I live, you know, the city has effectively been robbed um, of funding for over a decade. And that that's, you know, that that is, it, it was always hard, but it's really starting to bite now. You know, the city, the city's roads are bin services, despite the, the hard work uh, of council staff, you know, the cracks are really, really showing in a couple of weeks. The whole world is coming to Glasgow for COP twenty six, and you know, you know, I'm 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 as proud a Glaswegian as I'm a Scot, you know. Um, but the city is is basically falling apart in some ways um, because of underinvestment and because you know there's a government in Edinburgh that that has there's this ideological obsession with not properly funding and resourcing or even respecting you know local democracy and local decision making. Um, so that that's one you know one of the things we keep we, you know let's say Labour did just win a by election in the West End of Glasgow, um, and I should point out that is not a denizen of of, uh, of Labour support. You know we were we came yeah. third there last time, and mm. you know um, we won it last week. Jill Brown, who was our remarkable local candidate, um, beat the Tories and the SNP on a very clear message that Glasgow deserves better. Um, and, you know I was I was at the count. Uh, you know I was Jill's agent. You know I. I, I I have been to more counts. I can tell when um, people are surprised by a result. I'm not going to repeat what I said when I saw the result because <laughs> you'd have to bleep it out. Um, but, you know, it gave, I think that will give, you know, that shows the, the strength of feeling about this. You know, the city deserves better. Yeah, well, hopefully that dissatisfaction is as widespread as possible for, mm-hmm. for May's elections. I mean, it's, it, it was an amazing result. I did say it on, I, I obviously don't know the ins and outs of, Glaswegian Scottish politics or anything like that, but I, I did see it and I was surprised just to see any Labour gain, to be honest, um, with being third last time and things like that. But when it comes to May's elections, obviously we have got the whole issue of building back better and whatever they say about COVID and the post-pandemic recovery, economically as well as in health. But obviously there's obviously, this, if, if the SNP win clear majority again, is there the spectre of the set of a second referendum in the in people's sites, yeah, well, I think I think that that's obviously a complicated question, and you know, from the SNP's point of view, you know, they, they've had a mandate for a second independence referendum since you know they, la- they lost the last one. Um, I say this as somebody that that, that voted yes in twenty fourteen and ha- has uh, you know I've certainly been on a bit of a political journey. If you told me when I voted yes in twenty sixteen that. Uh, you know, in 2021, I'd be a, a Labour Party candidate for the Scottish Parliament. I, I would not have believed you, but um, life life is a is a wonderful and surprising thing. Um, I mean, fundamentally, whether or not there is ever uh, another, you know, constitutional referendum on Scotland's place in the UK is, is up to the people of Scotland. Um, and you know that that's just that's just the basics of democracy. Um, but I do think, you know, speaking to people on the phones, even even people who are who are absolutely passionate. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I respect people that believe in independence. You know, people believe in that for a whole host of reasons. Some of it's ideological, um, some of it's cultural. You know, you've got to you've got to engage in good faith with people. And I've always tried to do that. Um, you know, I do think a lot of the reasons that people want independence is because they want to build a better, more fairer society. And they don't think that's achievable through the UK. Now, I would say the reason for that is, and particularly why there's such high support among, you know, people my age for, for a second independence referendum and support is because, you know, for most of our lives when we've, you know, been 
we're not being kids, basically, uh, we've been under a Tory government that we didn't vote for. Um, just like just like people in Leeds, just like people in Manchester yeah. and in yeah. Cardiff, or you know, um, and loads of other in London, you know. So it's not it's not just a problem that you know Scotland has. Scotland is not unique in having a government it doesn't vote for. Um, so I think that's why you know, like the campaign that Open Labour's leading at the minute or helping to lead around Labour for a new democracy is absolutely crucial. And you know, uh, a wide, you know, complete, you know. I want us to win the next election, um, but I genuinely believe, you know, we can only win that if we win back seats in Scotland. We're only going to win back seats in Scotland if we have a, a bulletproof plan for how we're going to drag the constitution of 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 the of the UK into the 21st century kicking and screaming. Now, obviously, we did a fair whack of that in the 90s, but not nearly enough. Um, and, you know, that, 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 that plan has to, you know, Obviously, uh, Keir set up this constitutional commission that's Gordon Brown involved. That's great, but we also need more than that. Um, and if the party at a UK level does not realise the importance of this, you know, I wrote for this in Labour List, I think in response to John Speller, who's a who's a Labour MP, going, oh, you know, people aren't interested in the haunt. And I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, power and where it lies and who wields it really, really matters. And it matters to people that should be Labour voters. Um, you know, there's only so many more times I can go to people's door and say, oh, if you vote Labour, we'll get rid of the Tories and, you know, everything will be great. Uh, we failed to do that. And we failed to do that because we haven't set out a plan about how, you know, I think it's Robin... Robin, uh, Robin Cook had this quote in an ERS, but, you know, I'm not willing to accept a system of government where every 30 years we can beat the Tories and then govern in the exact same way. You know, mm. it's a it's a rigged system that's stacked in the favour of a right-wing minority. So let's mm. change that when we win. And I hope, you know, and I'll certainly work very hard to make sure we uh, do play my bit to make sure we win the next general election. So it's that. But coming back to the issue, and, and I think if we can demonstrate and demonstrate that, then the, the issue of, you know, referendums in, in Scotland, you know, isn't that big a deal. Um, and when I when I speak to people, like I said, even the most passionate advocates for, for Scotland being independent don't think that the time to have a referendum is when we're still coming out of this pandemic. And I think that's why, you know, Anasar, our leader's been very clear that the priority of the next parliament um, should be in COVID recovery, not a referendum. And I appreciate not everyone's going to agree with, agree with that, and that, that's totally fine. We live in a democracy. But I do think, you know, when you ask people what their priorities, their priorities are, you know, making sure that people have jobs, making sure that public services are strong, you know, investing and protecting their NHS and independence isn't very high up the list. Now, there's some things that are further, you know, I think one of the polls showed that housing wasn't a priority. You know, housing's a massive issue, particularly in, um, you know, when I'm seeking to represent. So, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say it's, you know, independence doesn't matter. You know, it does, the constitution does matter to people and Labour, Labour has to engage in good faith with that discussion and come forward with, with our, what our progressive alternative would be. I'm curious, what do you get on the doorstep there? Well, not on the doorstep, on the telephone at the minute. When, when it comes to talking through, you, you get someone that, that won't vote Labour because they want an independent Scotland. Issue, you say the cultural, sometimes economic, sometimes practical, and sometimes just not. What is the most common issues that you get that are linked to independence? Well, I think, is it for, I think, better, I think, for a bit of housing or something like yeah, that? No, I do, I do think people generally, like, people have a... You know they want they want a better, fairer country, and they think the only way to, to the, the quickest way to achieve that is is through independence. Um, mm. And you know the fact is that 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 just isn't that is not true because the the blueprint for independence is set in the SNP's Growth Commission. Um, it's it's frankly quite scary. Um, so you know when I when I speak to people and so, you know I would vote Labour, but I believe in independence. I'm like, well, why do you believe in independence? Go oh, well because. You know, I want I want my kids to grow up in a you know 
I mean, a lot of it comes down to the Tories and how the you know they they don't like they don't like having a right wing government that is you know so far away as well, and, so, and and you know particularly this one led by but you know I think people look at Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson, you know the leader of the Conservative Unionist Party is the biggest mascot for Scottish independence. You know, yeah, he's, he's, better, he's, better, better than Nicola Sturgeon, better than Alex Salmond. Um, he's an absolute gift. The man is a buffoon. He has absolute contempt for devolution. And the sooner we drag him kicking and screaming from Downing Street, the better. But I have a funny feeling the Tories will do that to him before the next election. He, yeah, yeah, I think that as well. I mean, he's, he, he said he's coming up to Scotland, didn't he? To sure up, sure up the anti-independence vote, which I'm sure will go down very well. Was it, was it Farage when he got barricaded in a pub in Glasgow. Yeah, there's a, there's a pub across from the Parliament called Kilderkin, and I think he, I think Farage got locked in there. But the idea that <laughs> Boris Boris has got into this habit now, where he'll come up and he'll go, you know, oh, I'm here to say, you know, I think he made himself minister for the union when he became when he became prime minister, and yeah, you know, yeah. it, it's sort of like this this thing that particularly the Scottish Tories, you know, in 2016 it was vote Ruth Davidson for a stronger opposition. Ruth Davidson, who's now off to the, the unelected House of Lords. I'm, I'm sure she'll I'm sure she'll enjoy enjoy her enjoy her time there and um, leading elected politics. Um but you know it's this thing that 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 party isn't there anymore. It's been replaced by a tub thumping, you know, lowest common denominator, British nationalist cranks yeah. that are that are led by quite a quite a inept referee. Uh, I think that's the, the politest way of describing Douglas Ross. So, you know, I think yeah. I think a lot of people that maybe, um, I, I do think the Tories are in for a kick at this. And it's nothing short of what they deserve um, in Scotland because over the last five years, they've offered absolutely nothing. They've, they've achieved nothing. All they've done is do this sort of Ian Paisley routine of going no or never, every possible opportunity. And it's done nothing to help the people of Scotland. And I think, I think a lot of people, you know, I'm speaking to people that have voted Tory for a very long time that are now voting Labour. Um, because you know they want an opposition that will you know actually deliver, and you know I think the work of Scottish Labour MSPs over over this Parliament's been remarkable for a party in third place to have changed. You know whether it was on, you know things like repealing the Draconian Football Act, delivering protections for shop workers, world leading period poverty legislation, and you know I can I could let I could stand I could talk all day about it, but I think. You know, the work of Scottish Labour MSPs has been absolutely top drawer. And that's why we should have more Scottish Labour MSPs. I'd quite like to be one. Um, <laughs> obviously. Well, it's just, you know, it's just the thing, you know, and that that's it. And, you know, I think I think that message is connecting. You know, people people see that the Labour Party um in Scotland has, has been on a journey, you know, at every at every single election since devolution, we have lost votes and we've lost seats. Um, I'm really hoping that we can but reverse the trend at this election and start mm. to rebuild. And, I, and actually, just actually, just you know, all we want to do is is serve the communities that we're proud to call home. You know, I think I, you know, Labour genuinely do have fantastic candidates all over the country, mm. um, and they'd all be phenomenal. But at the core of it, all of these people. You know they're absolutely committed to labour values, but more importantly, they're committed to the places that they're trying to represent. That you know they they want to do a shift. They want to because I think you know there used to be this thing you know they said oh in Scotland you could put a 
Labour is it on a donkey and it would get elected. <laughs> um, that basically feels what's happened with, with the SNP. You know, they're supplanted us at that and even excelled at it. Um, so, you know, and that's, that. you know, you talked about an SNP majority. I, do, I don't think an SNP majority is guaranteed and an SNP majority wouldn't be good for Scotland because the way the Scottish Parliament is designed, um, it is literally designed to not have a majority. So there's lots mm. of checks and balances on, you know, minority government. Um, those all disappear when you have a plurality of seats. Um, and the last time they had a majority, um, you know, they did bring in things like the Football Act, you know, they did ruthlessly cut um, council budgets, you know, I could I could list an endless number of things. So I think, you know, under no illusions, the SNP are on, are, are on course to win this election. Um, but Labour genuinely, I do think, need to be the largest opposition party and the SNP cannot have a majority um, because when they do, bad things happen. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, I think there is, there's obviously all these different, because of the haunt system, there's all these different sort of mm. either ultra-unionist or ultra-nationalist parties popping up that are trying to game the system. Um, but I think the best way of making sure that there's better government and better opposition in Scotland is to, you know, literally it's that simple, just make both ba- vote Labour in both ballots. How much do you think the, the Sturgeon-Salmond affair is has affected their chance of winning a majority? Do you think it's actually put a serious dent in them or do you think it's just... Oh, I, I mean, obviously this is, this has been an ongoing saga for a, for a number of years and there's, hmm. um, there's something quite unedifying about, you know, a, a former First Minister and a First Minister, you know, you know, a party political spat in that level, you know, infecting our public debate and, you know, it's taken everywhere. Um and at the end, at the end, at the heart of the all this, there, there were women that were let down by the government, um, and nobody's took responsibility for that. And that—that's that obviously, you know, there was a minute um, the the ministerial code investigation has has ruled that James Hamilton's ruled that the first minister didn't break the ministerial code. Okay, we, but, that's but, fine. We accept it, that. Yeah, but it was briefed to the media, wasn't it? Before that, that she had. Do you think that strengthened her in any way? In, within well, I mean, I think, I think. I think you know. At the end of the day, this has been a psychodrama within the SNP. That, that's within. It's been an internal debate, an argument within their party. That you know, and it's it's affected you know our institutions as a result. Um, but you know, I do think even though the ministerial code hasn't been broken, which is you know we accept that. I think the report says there were, there are there are serious issues, and still nobody's taking responsibility. Not not a single government minister, not a single senior official has said, I made a mistake here. I cost the taxpayer over £500,000. I'm going to do the right thing in terms of my resignation. Well, a, part, a party of government bringing the country into distribute like that, it, it's surely, <laughs> surely near on unforgivable. I mean, it does highlight their incompetence to govern and, and whether the yeah. question is whether they're fit to govern at all. But you say someone should take account accountability for it. Should Sturgeon resign over this? Well, I mean that that's been that that issue's um, been dealt with. I think I think the, the condition was that you know um, the ministerial code investigation that's now not came through. And I actually think the sort of ham-fisted stupidness of the Tories and mm-hmm. and calling for a vote of no confidence before Nicola Sturgeon had even uttered a word at the parliamentary committee has has made you know um, the first minister look like a look like a hero. And mm-hmm. but I think there was something you know she gave evidence to the committee for. For eight hours, which is that—that's quite a shift to answer for questions. Some, for but at the end of the day, when, when you're yeah, when you're the head of government in Scotland, you know you should you shouldn't you know accountability. You shouldn't be, and the way the SNP react, the SNP used it as a recruitment drive. You know, it was like, oh, Nicholas, you know, she's done so great. Come and join us. Um, and I think Jess Phillips said in question, you know, it was almost like she was at a gig. 
I, I'm not, this is really serious. This is a this is a this is a committee set a special committee set up to investigate how the Scottish government have botched complaints about sexual harassment. This isn't funny. This isn't lighthearted. Don't use it as a recruitment drive. Um, and obviously, there's been issues. There's been issues all through the process. But I mean, the matter the matter has now been resolved. I do think you know, speaking to people, there is still a bad smell around all this. Um, and you know, I think people that are that have you know, I, I spend a lot of time on the phones. Like I say, speaking to lifelong SNP voters who will who will not vote for Nicola Sturgeon now as a result, um, they won't vote for her party. Um, and that's for a range of reasons. But I think, you know, the fact that this this situation is is taking up, you know, at the end of the day, it's a substantial amount of public money um, that's been lost through through willful incompetence. Of the government as an institution, and just nobody's thought, "Oh, I'll do the right thing, and I'll take account. I'll, I'll be accountable." Um, I think that there's a we're in a really bad place in Scottish politics, and indeed across the UK, when when you know people in positions of public authority, you know, do things badly. You know, whether it's Margaret Ferrier, who, um, well, I mean, we all know what Margaret Ferrier did, or you yes. know, I can listen other other examples, and you know. Or Derek Mackay, for example, who who's still still an MSP and Margaret Feather's still an MP. Um, we're in a really bad place when there's egregious breaches of trust. You should do the right thing. You should step aside and should make way for somebody that will that will, that will you know try and rebuild trust with the, the people you try to represent. Yeah, I mean you're right. It's whether it's financial or just moral with the, the yeah. sexual harassment claims. The, the 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 government in Scotland, but their representatives in Westminster have, have let, let let the party down. They've they've clearly let the country down and. And to say they're supposed to be kind of flying the flag for independence in Westminster, they're not doing a very good job when they when they, you know, make it embarrassing. I was going to say something else, embarrassing themselves um, on a regular basis. And it's not just I say little things like getting the train when you've got coronavirus, but you know, mm. botching a, 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 a investigation into sexual harassment, spending millions of pounds of taxpayers' money and misleading parliament, it's surely going to eventually catch up with you. I mean, I know people say Nicola Sturgeon's untouchable and things like that sometimes, but no one can, surely. Well, I mean, all, all this has seen a massive dent in our, and, you know, what people, this is all polling, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sceptical of polls and focus groups, but, you know, at the end of the day, this is this is how the political world operates. Um, they have they have taken a hit, and like I say, you know, people, this has left a bad taste in people's mouth. Um, you know, people, and also I think it's just after 14 years of, you know, being in government, I think stuff has built up and I think stuff's came to light that, it, you know, it just, it just comes across as, you know, sleazy. I can't think of, a, you know, another word. You know, there's, there's, there's real issues here and, you know, there's questions of accountability and transparency that are, you know, that need to be answered and they haven't been. But we're about to enter an election campaign and I'm sure that, um, you know, We'll set out what we think has to change, um, but like I say, Scott, and you know, we'll say this all through. Scotland desperately needs a better government, but it needs a better opposition that can hold the government to account. Because all we've had is a, a Tory party that is obsessed with being seen as the un- the saviors of the union and mm-hmm. obsessed with getting a political scalp rather than actually trying to achieve something in opposition. It, it it actually reeks of what they do in Westminster constantly, which is just trying to get people into a culture war. Yeah, where it, it happens. <laughs> Stat- the, the the Churchill statue, it happened there. It happened with the police bill recently, mm-hmm. the Sarah Everard case, and it's happening in Scotland as well. And I just think it's it's not just disgraceful, but it also doesn't necessarily work for very long. It might work. It worked in 2019 against Jeremy Corbyn on a, in a general election, but I can't see it washing for that long when, you, when the substance of your 
uh, arguments just aren't there. I mean, it reminds me of, well, I say it reminds me like I was alive, but Churchill <laughs> in uh, after the war. That's my shit eyes a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, it's, it's um, Botox. Now, um, in, um, after the war, when he came back with no policies and, and kind of yeah. beat him and, and things like that, I can just see that happening to them at some point. And, and yeah. I'll, well, I'll be glad when it does, but it, it, it happens to the SNP as well. Yeah, well, I, th- I think I think it is happening. You know, I think I think there is only one way for the SNP to go now, and and that is that is down. I'm not going to say it's happening overnight, but I do think you know things. I think there's a there's a space in our politics in Scotland for a for a you know a progressive party like the Labour Party to to try and rebuild. And I'll, you know, it's just it's also just a fact. You know, um, I mean. The first, the first leaders debate is next week, which is really, really soon. A lot of a little god, um, and Anas is going to be up there with the other party leaders. And I think you know, then we'll see, you know, what a what a better Scotland could look like. You know, at the end of the day, all Douglas Ross, who's the leader of the Scottish Tories, will say is, "Oh, SNP bad, SNP bad." You know, um, when in fact we're in this position because of the absolute, I dare say, the Tory party, and it's and about you know, I think in the nineties when. You know, John Smith was leader. He was on a question time panel. And he said, "There's two legs sawing away at the, at the. There's two saws sawing away at the legs of the union. One's a one's the SNP, which obviously you know are nationalists and don't don't believe in the UK as a political unit. And then the other's the Tory party, which is too stupid and is trying to preserve a situation that is untenable. And that's where we're in this position again. So we do need we do need we don't need yes or no. We need a clear program of you know reform." And you know, Labour being the natural party of that, so I'm hoping that you know we'll see we'll see when this Labour's debate take, takes place next week. That Anas will set out the details of Scottish Labour's national recovery plan and how how we're going to not not just you know hope to play our part in rebuilding the country, but how we regain the trust of people who have lost. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Anasawa, I mean, I, I think he's a, a breath of fresh air. Obviously, I, this is this is from the outside, very much from the outside looking in, but. Um, he, he just seems a lot more dynamic, a lot more modern. I'm not trying to um, slag off Richard Lennon because he's a good man and he's never. Um, I, I wasn't a big. He's fan. also for your neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I, I just thought it was a bit of a strange leadership, um, to put it mm. lightly. Um, from the bits I saw of him, it wasn't just the fact that he's basically from Yorkshire. <laughs> it was the fact that he just, I don't know, he, he never looked like. Uh, a first minister in waiting he never looks like he would have been the leader and as I say I know I am slagging him off now but I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm more focused on what Anas can bring so I don't know what you feel um, when it comes to I mean I, I, I voted for Richard in 20, 2017 and um, I've got a lot of time and a lot of respect for him he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a thoroughly decent principled guy um, and you know I think a lot of the people that voted for Richard voted because they thought that there had to be you know, first I, I would have just rather that Kezia Dugdale never resigned. I do generally think if Kezia was still a leader, we'd, we would be in a we would be in a much better place. But unfortunately, um, Kez stood down, and then obviously events took place. I mean, like be, being leader of the Scottish Labour Party is not an easy gig. I think that's why we've had I think ten leaders in the past twenty years. Well, the SNP um, have had three, um, so I think there's something to be said. So Anas is obviously. And Anas um, won a clear mandate from the membership. So far, he's he's been very good, um, you know. So he's obviously he'll 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 be there for a while. Um, he has my full support now. But Richard's a good guy. I've got a lot of time from. Um, but I mean, it 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 just it just didn't 
work out, unfortunately, you know, and it's a shame, you know, I, I think, you know, when you put, when you put your trust in somebody to lead your party, when, you know, when people put, put hope into, you know, the leader of a movement and it, it doesn't work out, it, 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 it can be quite, it can be quite, it can hurt, it's quite, it's quite, you know, I, I would have much rather it didn't end the way it did, but, you know, that this is, this is, that's just how it's went and we, you know, um, you just have to hope that now we're in a we're in a stronger place to to rebuild to to stop the to arrest the decline I think would be the term and make mm-hmm. sure that this is the first election in the history of devolution the Scottish Labour Party doesn't doesn't just manage decline but actually starts to build back um, and I think Anas Anas is the right guy to do that um, and um, I think I think people underestimate the 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 importance of the Scottish Scottish Labour leader leader's role overall because. You know, it, it's a springboard. These elections are surely a springboard to winning in yeah. 2024 UK wide. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We, I mean, Labour, I think, I'm a firm believer that Labour needs Scotland needs to win Scotland if if they're going to win a general election. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just I can't. Sure, we're sure. not going to win Ian, the Ian, Ian Murray, and I'm going to I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to get this wrong, but Ian Murray always says there's there's, there's basically you know we always talk about the Red Wall, right? Uh, in the north of England, well, in 2015 there was another Red Wall, and it was the Central Belt of Scotland, um, and you know we need to talk about how we win back that now admittedly a lot of this is is us you know we we need to get better but we also need you know that we also need help from comrades across the uk and in different ways um but i think you know ian murray i think his line is you know if labor doesn't win back 17 seats in scotland the swing it would need for us to get a majority of one would mean we'd have to win jacob rees mogg's seat in northeast somerset well this, the this best will in the yeah. world the best will in the world, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> um, so, you know, Scotland, the road, and, you know, we said the road for Keir Starmer and Angela Rayner to number 10 goes right through Glasgow, goes right through the central belt of Scotland. Um, and, you know, that's why I'm delighted that Angela's supporting my campaign launch tomorrow. Um, but, you know, I think Angela said before COVID, you know, she thought I was going to move up to Scotland. You know, Angela gets it and Angela's... You know, I, I, you know, Angela's been up here and went for visits in the constituency and, you know... He, even though she's English, um, she she has so much in common with, with you know the people. You know, we went to Alive and Kicking, which is an older people's centre in Springburn, a really really fantastic community facility that has done so much for the area uh, in Balonic and around there. Um, and she was chatting, and people just said she's like she's she's brilliant. She's she's like one of us. Um, and I think you know we need, we need to do that. But basically. Um, all of this goes back. If we don't, if we don't, you know, have a clear plan, we don't have a clear message. Um, and I, I, I say this a lot. You know, I do generally think twenty twenty four is the last chance to win for the UK. You know, if, if Labour can't win, um, I, I don't know what happens after that. I generally don't, which is why it's so important that we get our act together and we're in a position to win this election. And you know, that that has to start with these elections in May, um, because we need we need a strong group of Labour MSPs elected to the Parliament. Um, that will show the difference that, that Labour can make, even when in opposition. Because um, I think for a lot of people, a, a Labour government, it, it's not something that they have, even though they might have been around when it was there, it's not something they remember. Mm. You know, we have to get away from this thing where, the, where you know, the Tories are the natural party of government. A lot of that's down to the broken electoral system, which I've already said we need to change. Yeah. But, you know, we do need, you know, the first past the post made the last century a Tory century. Um, you know, Labour's been around for over 120 years and we've only been in power for 33 years out of them. Uh, that's not good enough. Um, so we do need to get our act together and, um, yeah, we need to win this election. There's no two, there's no two ways about it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, been, been in, uh, no pressure then, by the way, but been in power for such a short space of time over such a long period, 
it, it gives yeah, you. I mean, look at that time. Look at all the great, and you know, it's always like this. It's like, oh, he's never. I'm like, well, I always think the job of Labour governments to come in and then totally change the country in a way that a Tory government would never. So NHS a perfect example. Mm. Devolution is a perfect example. You know, the minimum wage. You know, I could list all these great things we've done. And um, the, but the longer we're out of government, obviously, yeah. this is obviously so simple. It gives them. It gives them the opportunity to unravel all the good work we do yeah. and and it gets more and more serious as it goes along because we slip into just being and this is uk scotland everywhere the labor movement just slips into being used to being in opposition and shouting from the <laughs> yeah. sidelines where we can actually do nothing um as people know but right we'll just finish on this because we don't want to go on too long and distract you from your campaign <laughs> but when it comes to nicola sturgeon and the vote no confidence everything that's surrounded at a minute you said earlier on SNP are on course to win this election. Is the realistic aim then to beat the Tories into third? And do Labour, does Labour have to wait until Nicola Sturgeon goes to have a realistic possibility of winning? I mean, there's there's no point me pretending that, you know, that that, you know, on after May the sixth and I was going to be first minister we'll we'll, we'll have an, we'll be the largest party. Um that that that's not going to happen. What this election is about is saying that you know Scotland needs a better government and a better opposition. You know it's that simple. So the message of this election is every single vote cast for Labour will help elect Labour MSPs and constituencies and regions across the country, um, who who will be proactive, who will be progressive, who will fight for what really matters. Um, and you know on on the I mean to be honest, I don't really think whoever leads the SNP matters. I do think they have absolutely no idea. Who's there after Sturgeon? Like they, they don't they, they do not have a they do not have a successor. I think a successor the, story, the Tories are very similar with Boris, aren't they? At the minute with yeah, Boris Johnson. Yeah, they, they, there is nobody else. Um, you know, and they've got the, I think that ties in with the arrogance of the SNP. And that I think that's why they, you know, they were so um unproductive un, uncooperative with the, the parliamentary inquiry into the harassment complaints, because anything that could have threatened Nicola would would threaten them as a party. Um so yeah, the plan at this election is to, to make this the first election where Scottish Labour improves its position rather than declines and to know, elect Labour MSPs across the country who will be champions for the local community, but also, you know, be there in the parliament, being the progressive voice that the parliament needs, being the conscious of the parliament, if you like. Um, because right now, what happens, SNP MSPs will vote through anything that they're told to. They, they just, they've got this pack mentality that I've never seen like any other, you know, I remember never being more angry in my in my whole political life than watching the parliament debate corona emergency coronavirus law and voting down things like banning evictions, vote down things like you know collective bargaining in the private care sector where where you know the the absolute epicenter of this pandemic's take place. Um, so it, we and that comes back to the point why we cannot trust the SNP with a majority and the only party that's strong enough to stop that is the Labour Party. So, you know, whether people have voted lifelong Labour or never voted Labour for in their life, if they care about the future of the country and, you know, they want they want, you know, they want things to get better and they want to they want a parliament focused on recovery. There really is only one option. I'm going to say it again, and that's to vote Labour in the constituency ballot, regardless who your candidate is, and vote Labour, Scottish Labour in the regional list. Policy, not personalities, I think we can say. So yeah. everyone in Scotland we actually do get a few listeners in Scotland. Um, so vote Labour. I'm sure you are doing already because obviously you listen to this podcast, but if you're not, you need to take a look at yourself. Um, get, get, your, get your early vote and your postal because they're absolutely crucial. Absolutely. Vote early, vote often. Kieran O'Neill, thank you very much for coming Can on today. Me?
it's it's been decent. Um, it's better than usual when I'm with James um, because James does a lot of the talking and sounds far more intelligent than me. So this is good. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. No danger, mate. That's class.